Well, hello, and welcome to episode two of my new podcast. So what do you do? In this podcast, I'll be talking to all kinds of different people to hear about all sorts of different jobs that exist in the world today. And the one we have today is a really fun one that I'm personally very interested in. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, so I hope you will too. So here it is. Hope you like it. I am really excited for the guest I'm talking to today. This is Alex Kane. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hello. Hey, it's nice to see you. Good to see you too. Um, so I'm going to be talking to Alex about a lot of things, but mostly really his writing. I want to hear about his amazing writing career. So here are some of the amazing things that Alex has done already. He is the author of the Andrea Vernon series of novels, including the best-selling Andrea Vernon and the Corporation for Ultra Human Protection, which was named Audible's best science fiction audiobook of 2017, amazing, and the Orlando People novels. Longtime sketch writer at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, the Magna Theater, and the People's Improv Theater in New York. He is also a contributor to McSweeney's Internet Tendency. That is an amazing sort of resume already there with your writing, Alex. Awesome. Thank you. I was trying to think if I'd done anything else. I'm like, I was in one of the McSweeney's books. They included something, but I couldn't remember the name of the book. So now the moment's passed. That's all right. That's really cool. Let's get right into it. You have done all of this writing. How did you move from it being a hobby or something that you love doing to actually publishing and getting it in the world, right? How did you do that? So I think I started out years ago, like when I was young, I always wanted to be a writer. And I was trying to write it. And I look back at like the things I wrote then. And you know, when you're, you know, 18, 19, you're like, I'm going to write this amazing novel, even though I'm completely this like sheltered person who hasn't seen the world and experienced all these things. But I'm just, I'm great. I just get the human experience. So I'm going to write this great novel. And then years later, you look back at it and go, this is utter garbage. Yeah. Utter, utter garbage. So I went from, I did that. And then I was like, I thought about getting into writing for television and screenwriting. And I was exploring that for a while. And then moving to New York in 2004. And then I started taking uh, sketch writing classes at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater a little after that. Uh, And then, I got to a point where I had this idea for a book and I was like, this is a book. It's not a sketch. It's not like a screenplay. This is a book I want to write. And that was uh, what became Andrew Vernon and the Corporation for Ultra Human Protection. So I was very nervous because I'm like, I've been writing sketch. It's much shorter. It's a completely different process. Yeah. I was, I was to the point where I'm like, I just don't think I can do a good job of it. Like I psyched myself out of it and I started to write it and then I stopped myself and I, I spent a lot of energy convincing myself that I couldn't do it. Uh, my wife was five months pregnant and I went to go see the movie Whiplash. Did you see Whiplash? Yes, I loved it. I liked it. I, I, I have a lot of discussions with people about whether it's like kind of screwed up. What I've taken, what I take from that movie having seen it is just like, there's like that question of like, what is worth it for the for your dream? And yeah. like, like, I look at that and I go, that's not worth it. But I came out of there being like, I'm doing not, I like this, I say this is my dream. Like writing's my dream. I have this idea. I want to write it. I've only made excuses. I don't have to sacrifice anything. And I'm going to be a dad in five, you know, four or five months. I need to go out. I need to write this thing. Cause it's not going to be easier. Yeah. You know, when the baby comes. So I start, I'm, I just, I'm going to write it and we'll see how it goes. And I've started plenty of things. So I started and go, you know what? There's nothing there. You know, mm-hmm. Even as a person who has sold novels now, I start a novel, I'm excited about it. I look at it and go, 
you know what, there's, it doesn't have legs. But this one, I liked it. I had an idea for it. You know, I would always, I think as a writer, I recognize what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. And I was like, well, I think I can cover what I'm bad at with what I'm good at. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep going. And, you know, I kept going. I wrote it, finished it uh, before the birth of my son. And I was like, I like it. I like what I wrote. I think this is good. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this right. Cause sometimes, you know, you self-sabotage, you go, Oh, you know, well, you know, you have an excuse. Oh, you know, I didn't get published, but I, I didn't really try that hard to get it published. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to leave no excuses. Mm-hmm. So I got it in the best shape I could. I had people uh, that I trusted read it. And then I was like, I'm going to, so the process from there is you write a query letter and you find an agent. You know, What's a query anyone, letter? Basically a letter where you write and say, you know, dear agent name, uh, I am writing you about my novel, Andrew Vernon, the Corporation of Human Protection. It is a it is complete at 74,000 words. It is comparable to this novel and this novel, or it's this novel meets this novel. Yeah. Uh, and then you write a description of your book and it, you know, you could, which sounds simple enough, but you really have to do something where the agent goes, wow, that sounds great. Mm. I want to read that book. Mm. And so, which is, uh, it's very different writing something that's like, this is my great book. Right. But I did it, you know, I actually took a class of finding an agent class, which is mostly about the query letter, because that's the biggest part of finding an agent. Yeah. So I put that together. I started sending that out and writing a query letter and sending it out is a very difficult process, not in terms of the writing and sending it, although you want to make sure it's really good. But what you're really doing is you're asking a lot of people to marry you mm-hmm. and then you sit around and wait for their responses. And you're in love with all of them. And sometimes you go, will you marry me? And then you get an email back immediately being, this is not compelling to me. <laughs> and sometimes you get an email back three months later. And so it was just at any moment, this is, and this is still true, I think, even now, like you can take out your phone and your life can change for the better or the worse. You're yeah. like, oh, I have an email. And 99.9% of the time, it's like, oh, this is spam. Or I'm, this is, you know, you know, a friend of mine being like, hey, do you want to meet up? And then every now and then it's a rejection letter. <laughs> and like there are times I told myself, well, I'll be safe. Like on the weekend, I can relax. And on holidays, I can relax. And then I got a letter back from an, an email back from an agent on Thanksgiving Day. No. I got an email back from an agent that was sent 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. Wow. Or Saturday morning, depending on your perspective of that. I don't want that job. <laughs> so I had done that for somewhere between a year and a half of sending out query letters and getting rejections. Um, I was like, I'm just going to, I said, I believe in this book. Yeah. I'm going to do it right too. So I'm going to self-publish. I'm going to hire a professional editor. You know, I'm going to do professional art when it comes to it. I sent it off. Uh, I I did, I started researching uh, editors online. I found someone named Betsy Mitchell who seemed amazing. So it's still a process once you find an editor because editors take on only so many jobs. So I emailed her off and she's like, I love this idea. I love the like first 10 pages you sent me, you know, so I hired her and then she really loved it. And she said, I think I know someone who would be interested in acquiring it. Cool. She's like, and so she said, I have a contact at audible. Mm-hmm. So she sent it over to Steve Feldberg, uh, who is uh, a producer at audible and he read it and he really loved it. Um, so there's a lot of luck in here. Uh, I will tell you. There's a lot of work in here, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's luck at some point, but 
you know, you did write something that people want to read, which is huge. That's really it. Like, it's so, <laughs> you have to do all the work to get the luck. So if you don't do all these other things, you don't even get a chance at the luck. Yeah. So that's the thing is that when you're looking to get published, it feels like this magic spell that you just don't know how to cast. Yeah. And you, like, I would go and I'd read, I would Google it and look up stories of other people's stories of how they got published. And it was always like, well, you know, I looked for an agent and then I applied at this agency and it turned out the agent was my long lost twin. It's like, well, good for you. <laughs> that doesn't help me. You know, there's all these different stories and it's very challenging. So, but like, so, uh, Steve Feldberg at Audible loved it. Uh, he made an offer on it uh, and they ended up buying it. And, you know, I ended up doing that without an agent. And so I'm very lucky that Audible is a reputable institution yeah. and Steve Feldberg is a wonderful man because I had no idea what I was doing. That's really great, Alex. That's really cool. So tell, tell me about the falling in love process, the falling in love with your idea process. Like you had said at the beginning, you said, you know, you'd written all these different things. They were sketches, they were different. You'd start a book and then go, oh, this book has no legs. And then one day you had an idea that just kept sticking and you loved it and you didn't care if it was big or not. You just want to write this. Like, what was that process like for you? How did you know that this was the one that you were going to actually follow through all the way with, you know? And keep That's a really good question. That's a great question. So there was two parts of it. So it's idea. And it's like, it's great to have a good idea, but idea is not what's going to carry the book. The characters are always going to carry the book. Mm. So you can have this really cool idea, but like, what's that dialogue going to be like between those characters that you've got this great idea for. And so I had this idea that I wanted to do this superhero office thing, which other people have kind of done, but I, I had gone to this national sales meeting for my company and it was a nice event and we're there and I'm kind of, and, but it's like, you know, every, I think lots of big companies do this where they're like, they make this like big thing about it and you feel like you're the most important thing in the world and you're doing it better than everybody else there and your competitors don't know what they're doing, but you've got camaraderie and it's just like, this is cool, but it's not like we're saving the world. Yeah. And I was like, that kind of idea appealed to me. And then I started writing it. And I started writing it with a character who was basically kind of a version of myself. And I got so bored by it. Like, <laughs> I don't care about this person. I don't care what happens to them. Not that I don't like myself, but it's also like you see a lot of, you know, at the time, like mid to late thirties, white dudes who like sci-fi, like that character is well represented in fiction. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started, like trying to think of another way of doing it. And I tried it with a different character. I tried it with Andrea. And then once I started with there, you know, I, I'm a believer of you don't really know your characters until they start talking to each other. So you can write, I write so many notes down in notebooks. I just fill notebooks up with all these notes of like what I want to do and where it's going to go. And it changes as I write where it goes, oh no, this is much better. And then I didn't see this, but these characters interact and now I want them to do this together. But I started writing it and then I started getting these other characters and I liked the way it worked. And then I could kind of see where I wanted the plot to go. I, I'm, another thing I tell people is like, if you want to be a writer, it's great to do different types of writing. Like yeah. A lot of people who do poetry and write novels, like swear by it because you have such an economy of words. Yeah. When sketch comedy, you have three, four minutes and it's all character. Like you have to get out characters so fast. And so I just had characters that I was excited to write for and, you know, I would go around during the day and think, be excited to write when I had time to write. So mm -hmm. that was the big difference. Yeah, that's awesome. You said something in the middle there about your company and that was part of the inspiration. You know, you're looking at your everyday life and thinking how it could be different in this other version of the world. 
So is this company like a side hustle? Because this is also really interesting to me, you know, personally, as well as for some of my friends who are creatives. You know, we often have conversations about how to balance the creative work we're doing, writing or anything else or acting or anything with, you know, making money and having a way to, you know, pay rent, live your life, all of that. So how do you, how have you approached balancing that kind of pursuing your art and making sure that, you know, you can pay the bills, et cetera? The challenging part, because I, I work a full-time day job. And I am a parent to two young children, one of whom is crying in the other room right now. (laughs) But her mom's got her. Um, (laughs) The challenge is not so much the writing, but the thinking of ideas of being able to put yourself in a space where you can just not think about other things. So, you know, the first four months of the pandemic were just, there was nothing got done for writing because. I just could not focus at all. And the kids were home all the time. And there was not just that time where you're just away from it and you can think of these ideas. Yeah. And now, I mean, you know, lots of people had it worse than me. So I don't, you know, stress too much about it. But the, that's just kind of the nature of my, of the way I write is like, I, you know, if I can get, you know, an hour to sit there at the end of the day after the kids are in bed, after dinner, after all, everything's cleaned up and just get out those ideas. Mm. but which is a challenge too because like that's a lot of time from when you think of the idea to the end of the day where you can talk yourself out of it Mm -hmm. a lot of writers probably have the experience of you have like it's 9 a.m you have this idea like this is great this is so great I can't wait to write this by the time it's 9 p.m you sit down and be like this is garbage (laughs) garbage idea what was 9 a.m thinking yeah you have to catch the moment while it's with you all yeah. that enthusiasm and belief in yourself. And sometimes you're like, this is a bad idea. I'm going to write it. I'll see what happens. Yeah. Right, I, just like believe things. I like that about what you were saying earlier as well. You mentioned that a few times in different ways. I can hear that you often take a really experimentative approach to your writing. Like, okay, let's try that. Let's try that out. Let's try this out. And I can yeah. see that coming from a sketch comedy background, that kind of willingness to have improv to you know jump in hmm, that didn't really work no problem next thing the phrase sorry that i don't remember where it comes from but in writing of kill your darlings so it's just this idea of like you have this thing you love so much but it's not working mm. and so you want to do everything else but get rid of it but it's <laughs> the thing you got to get rid of yeah but i like i yeah i think you just gotta i just want to try and write it and see what happens because sometimes it doesn't work i've written whole chapters of books where i'm like i like this it doesn't work Mm. and just cut it like you just got to cut it because it doesn't work and that's you do you bring people into your process with that ever or is that always just you you know some writers I've heard interviewed it's very solitary work they it's them only them start to finish and other people have like you know a partner or someone that they're often checking in with and going what do you think of that and kind of workshopping what's your approach to that uh, I have an old writing partner, uh, my friend Thea, who writes, uh, she's a, a children's book author now. Um, but we we wrote together at Upright Citizens Brigade. And I, for the most part, won't reach out while I'm writing, but sometimes she's like one I'll, I'll reach out to. So when I was writing uh, uh, one of my other series of books is Orlando People, mm-hmm. when I was writing the first book. I was really stuck in it about what I want to do. I'm like, I just need to talk. It's just sometimes you're like, I want to do X and I want to do Y, but I don't know how I do them both. Yeah. Like, how, how do I bridge this gap? And the answer is 
you invented this reality, you can do anything you want. <laughs> That's, you can, that must be one of the most fun things about writing, especially the kind of books that you're writing, the work that you do. Like you get to create an entire new world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're just like, oh, how will this work? Well, I just change the rules. All I got to do is change the rules. Yeah. As I write like mostly fun sci-fi. So, you know, that's a really easy thing to do. And sometimes I find myself like, I want to do this, but I, I have to explain it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not a deep science guy. Like not everyone's gonna be like, well, you know, the quarks don't really work that way, Alex. I'm like, well, you, you had a superhero farting for laughs in the last chapter. <laughs> so you're probably already on board with this. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to, I want to read that chapter. Um, okay. I've got another question. This one comes from a real personal um, desire here. Cause I, I often will have, I'll start writing something. I'll start writing something that's a little longer than just a short thing or a poem. And I then find myself having trouble just like getting myself to the practice of writing it, like to the actual work. Yeah. I have an amazing ability to do almost anything else, like something else, find something else to yeah. keep me away, which I know is a common thing in, in a lot of different fields. You know, people want to do yoga, but they just can't get on the mat or they want to work out. They just can't get to the gym. For me, it's like, I want to keep writing, but somehow I find a way not to get on my computer or to a pad and pencil. Like, do you have this problem? And if you do, how do you overcome it? I'm going to tell everybody, just get children. <laughs> this, is, this is, this is, this is my, I have a real theory on, on how, like I thought children would hurt the writing experience. Nothing against my kids. I love them. Children. <laughs> And like, you don't actually need children to do this, but what children do is they take your time. And so you have this narrow gap. And so like, you don't have a lot of time. The, the one thing I've said is that I have less time to second guess myself. Mm. So I think like, I'm not a person who believes you have to write every day. I think a lot of people say, oh, you should, if you want to do it, you want to take it seriously. You got to write every day. I don't, I don't buy into that. I think you should want to write every day or want to write often. But I certainly don't write every day. Like, if you love it, you're going to come back to it. But it's scary. It's so, like, the thing is, it's not laziness. It's, I don't even necessarily believe in the concept of laziness. Like, it's not that. It's like, it's fear for me. Where it's like, I don't want to write something that's bad. And I don't want to, even worse, write something that I think is good and that everybody else thinks is bad. Mm -hmm. And, like, those are the things I get over. Yeah. How do you get over that fear? I mean, I still have it every time. So, I mean, it's just a matter of being, of forcing yourself, like saying like, this is the time I'm going to do it. Yeah. But, but like just sitting down and writing it and like, and taking notes is a big help too, of just scribbling notes. I mean, like, I know what I want to get to. There's so many like difficult parts of writing, like talking about the query process when you're all done, but just getting there of like writing it and feeling frustrated and not knowing if you've really got it and like hitting a wall. And then like, if you keep in mind the goal and the goal is not necessarily getting published, being published right. is great. I highly recommend it. If you can do it, it's awesome. You know, to be able to like have people read your work and What's the goal, the goal to me, I mean, like to me, the writing is the thing. Like I, like I write fun books. So I say writing is the fun part. Like if you don't like writing, like anyone who's like, I'm going to be a rich writer. I don't really like it, but I think I'm good at it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Because you could be really talented and really great and just never quite write the thing that's, you know, catches an agent or catches people's imagination. Yeah. You know, it can, you know, happen. I've met so many talented people when I was writing at theaters in New York, I met so many talented actors, so many talented writers. And I met people who went on and became like 
on TV shows that people know him, got really successful. And I knew people who were hilarious and it just didn't happen. Yeah. So like if the, if it's, if the only success is being published and selling a million copies, like, you know, to me, like the success is finishing that book and looking at it and going like, I did what I want to do. Like I did a short story, finished writing a short story recently that I had in my mind for 10 years, uh-huh. 10 years. I've <laughs> wanted to write a short story and it's different when I write and I psyched myself out of it for 10 years and I'm finally like, I'm going to write it. I sat down and I've, and like, I've had little bits of it in my mind for 10 years, like playing the, these scenes in my head. And I wrote it and I got to the part that I've been planning out for 10 years and I wrote it and I finished it. I look back on it and I'm like, that's what I want to do. And that is like, that's the best. Yeah. Good feeling. Like if a million people read it, I'll be very happy. That's cool. But I wanted to do something and I wrote it and it works for me. And I just think that's so much cooler than everything else. Yeah. I, I want other people to like stuff, but like if I can write something and look at it and go, that's what it should be. Yeah. And find like lines of dialogue in there that I didn't know that work, that I go, that's a good line of dialogue that I that, that I left on. That's awesome. I love that. That and somehow to me, what I'm getting from that is like a piece of advice I'm taking from that story is to help yourself overcome the fear of, oh my God, what if it's bad? What if everyone hates it? Etc. To overcome that kind of fear. You just make yourself the audience. As long as you're making yourself happy in the process and in whatever you're able to achieve, then you're done. You've done it. I've, I've tried to just give up on the idea of good and bad when it comes to writing. Yeah. Like I stopped a while ago. Like if I talk to somebody about a book, I want to say I liked it or I didn't click with me. Yeah. Because to be like, it's a, it's, this is great. Like, okay. One thing I do that makes me, this is, I recommend this to all writers go on to Goodreads or go on to Audible or Amazon and read the one-star reviews for your favorite books. Ha. Read the five-star, revo- five-star reviews for books that you read that you absolutely hated. Right. Because it is a relieving experience. <laughs> you look at it and you're like, like I, I want to go read the one-star reviews for like Madeline Miller's Cersei. And I want to go yeah. read all the one-star reviews for Ann Patchett's The Dutch House. Love both. I love that advice. And I'm a hundred percent going to do that today. Um, You look at it and you see people are like, people saying things like, well, the one-star review is like, I, you know, I don't know that she really knows what families are like. And it's like, (laughs) I'm just like, and like some people, you just read these stuff. And then like, it's just some, and then like, I stopped reading reviews. Right. Because reviews will drive you nuts. Because I would read reviews back before and they of my own writing yeah people would say things like this book is trash i hate this garbage book i hate this author this is bad three stars <laughs> and then you have another review where it's like what a great book what a what a wonderful book absolutely yeah. enjoyed it really enjoyable three stars yeah and you will lose your mind reading these things <laughs> i know i i've always really Oh, I hate it. And just, it has always rubbed me the wrong way. The conversations about like, okay, so on a one to five, what would you rate that film or that anything? Um, and I've also stopped doing it. Um, it's funny. It just reminded me a couple of years ago, I probably won't keep this in the podcast because it's about me, but a couple mm-hmm. years ago, I started acting 
again, and I'd always loved acting, but the reason I actually went into an acting class and started doing it again was because I wanted to help my writing practice. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that I was having a lot of fear while writing about this kind of conception of some other person in the future who's going to read it, you know, this imaginary critic. And, you know, I'd studied literary criticism and film criticism, and I was around people who are highly critical of yeah. art. And so, of course, I had this critic voice in my head. And I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to start acting as a way to rub up against that critic and say, I don't care because like you can't actually go on stage and care what anyone thinks about your performance. You'll never get on stage. <laughs> yep. And that's, I, it's the same thing with writing. If you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to write something that people don't like. It's like, you should absolutely write things that people don't like. Yeah. For two reasons. One. It's going to happen not, no matter what. It's going to happen no matter what. I mean, like the only way it's not is if people don't read it, the more and more people re- read it, the more people aren't going to like it. So you're going to get, you know, you, you know, even if you have this highly rated book on whatever website, you know, if it's 4.8 out of five, there are people who don't like it. And like, that's great because more, that means more, more and more people are, are reading and liking it. And not everybody should like every book, you know, not everything should be this thing that appeals to absolutely everyone. You want to, you know, what I found when I published my book is I, and the theory I had behind it was that this is something that means something to me. Mm-hmm. And it's done in a way that's very light and very fun. But there are things here that mean something to me. And I'm writing in a way that I like. And if I'm going to bet, I'm going to put down my chips that other people are like me and it's going to connect with them in the same way. And the magical thing is that kind of happened. You yeah. know, I'm not Stephen King. I'm not George R. R. Martin. But like, there are people who like the books and they like, sometimes they reach out and they say like, this was really good. And I really connected with this. And I'm like, that was very personal to me. And I'm glad that that like meant something to you too. Yeah. I think the more personal, it's like that old adage, the more personal, the more universal. Right. Yeah. And like the thing with all this stuff is just like writing the book is such a huge accomplishment. Writing anything is such a huge accomplishment. So nothing can, nobody should be able to take that away from you because they say, Oh, I didn't like it. You know, I finished a book and I sent it to my agent and he's like, he's like, I love it. A couple things. And then he basically told me, he's like, I don't like the plot. The two main <laughs> characters don't work for me. The tone seems off. And right. I was like, <laughs> all right. And like, one of the hardest parts of writing is taking criticism, knowing when to take it and go, okay, I'm going to change this. And knowing when to go, I did this for a reason. And I think this is right. Yeah. I think that's a challenge because you don't want to be like, uh, I'll do whatever anybody says, but you also don't want to be so hard to work with that you won't listen to criticism. Cause otherwise, cause sometimes people will tell you an idea like, oh, wow, that's great. That is a great idea. I, I can give you a concrete example. Yeah. I wrote a sketch where the news anchors, it's like Christmas Eve and the news anchors are like, oh, we're going to the radar and Santa, we see Santa sleigh. <laughs> and like one of the other news anchors gets so mad cause we're lying to children. And they're like, that's not really fun. I'm like, I thought it was fun. But they're like, that's not really fun. What if she gets like super excited because she thinks this is proving Santa's real? I'm like, <laughs> that's not my idea, but that's so much better. Thank you for yeah. gifting that. And that's I wrote funny. it. And I love that. I love, ended up loving the sketch. And I'm like, you know, being able to take that advice and being able to say like, someone else had something yeah. better than me about my idea. And that happens all the time, like through an editing process. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
I think any kind of artist, any kind of creative, you always are balancing ego in that way. So that sounds yeah. like you have to have your own ego enough, healthy enough that you're like, this is a good thing. I'm going to share it. I'm proud of it. Here it is. But you also have to have a low enough ego that when a better idea comes in, you go, and that that's coming too. That's awesome. So but like I'm both in both directions. I think it's having confidence in your work. Yes. And having confidence in your work that like, it, that to believe in it or to know that like it could be better. All right. So Alex, I think that that was a really good, clear sort of um, story around how you started writing and how it's been for you. I could talk about this with you for probably many hours, but in the interest of time, I'm going to move us along. All right. So All right. what I, what I'd love to do now, I'd love to just ask you a few quick fire questions, which I did not send through beforehand. I'm hoping that these questions will help over time to figure out the kind of person, sort of the kind of personality that goes into different kinds of fields or industries. Mm -hmm. So they're a little bit more personal, but you know, you can take them as you want. Here we go. I won't ask any follow-up questions. Quick fire. Number one, which one feels more right for you? Do you live to work or work to live? Uh, I work to live. Yeah. What kind of person would love the kind of work you do? Love writing. And what kind of person would hate it? Um, I mean, the biggest thing with writing is if you have something to say, someone who feels like this is the way to express it. I, this is a longer answer than, than a quick fire, but just I think about this in terms of some people, you know, express themselves through uh, performance, some people through fine art, some people through cooking. And for me, like there's something to be said on the, this is the way that I can express the things that I feel. It's a very uncertain field. Someone who like require, you know, you have to wait on the approval of other people to do the things you want a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, it's, it's definitely a lot of waiting. So you know, the process of when you come up with an idea to when you finish a book, to when the book actually gets published, it is a very slow process that can get interrupted very easily. I promised no follow-ups, but I'm breaking my own rule and it that's is right. my podcast. So I feel like that's okay. That's uh, right. that's right. You make your, you change your own reality. This I'm is changing. I'm, I'm the creator of this universe. Um, what is a typical timeline? Like, for example, what was your timeline from having the idea for Andrea? Look, so I write shorter books. So an average book is probably about hundred thousand words. I write about 70 to 85,000 word books. So for me, I write books in about four or five months. Yeah, that's pretty fast, right? Now that's fast, but that's also like, I just said I spent 10 years thinking of an idea in a short story. So I wrote this short story in, in a few weeks, but it yeah. took me 10 years to finally put it down on paper. So there's a yeah. lot of like going back and forth and psyching myself out of writing it and then finally doing it in there. Right. So it can take a long time. Yeah. All right, number three, for someone who wants to learn more about writing, is there a book, um, some sort of school or course or show or podcast? Is there something you'd recommend for people who want to learn more about writing? Yes. I'm trying to think of there's like a good specific book. If you're doing comedy writing, there's a book called, I think it's the Comic Writer's Toolkit or Comic Writer's Toolbox. Uh, I will have to find that and send you the link if you post it on a, a website. Mm -hmm. uh, that's good. Just like, it's not like, deep like what is comedy but like here are some ideas to start get you going and to generate ideas uh for writing to help you when you're stuck and to just help right make your writing a little better i i'm a i'm a big fan of taking classes i think read i will always tell like read lots of books read lots of different kinds of books 
Awesome. All right. Number four, if you could wake up tomorrow and have a totally different career, all training and experience magically granted to you overnight, what would you want to be doing? Been writing? Yeah. Yeah. There's no writing. I can't think of anything that's more fun to me than writing. Love it. All right. Number five, who is someone who's how maybe professional basketball player? Like, can I be like six, five? Yeah. And have, like, magic, magic, Alex, what do you want? Anything? Yeah. yeah. I want to, I, I want to be a professional basketball player who also writes novels. I'm also, well, I'm 42. So I'm four, not 42. I'm also 40. So, <laughs> so is this Nick's or magic? I'm guessing. Magic. Yeah, cool. All right. Stick with your hometown. Got to dance with uh, him who brung you or whatever. You can can take the boy out of Orlando, but you can't take the Orlando out of the boy. No. Yeah. All right. Number five. Who is someone who's helped you get to where you are today? Someone that you'd like to say thank you to? I mean, there's so many people along the process. Uh, You know, my wife, Virginia, has been, she's my first reader of everything I write. Yeah. So she reads everything. She gives me notes and she gives me really honest notes. This is the thing, by the way have people you respect read your stuff and encourage them to beat it up because some people they said they get so frustrated because like everybody who reads it tells me they love it it's like my my wife read it my brother read it my mom read it my best friend read it it's like one question i asked when i sent it out when i had people read it and it is like friends and relatives who read it i was like tell me the what you liked best and then tell me what you hated most about my book like what did you not like like get them to tell you things. It's like the more people are willing to tell you like what they don't like, the better. Because like I said, you either go, oh, they are right or go like, no, this is, I like this and I did this for a reason. And then sometimes there's a middle ground of like, I do like this, but I think they have a point and I think I could make it better. Mm. My wife, Virginia, uh, my first editor, Betsy Mitchell, uh, Steve Felberg at Audible. I ended up picking up uh, an agent later and that's uh, Sam Morgan at the Lots Agency who has been really helpful. My, uh, my former writing partner I mentioned earlier, Thea Creed, the author of uh, Jet the Cat is Not a Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of the people I was on, in, on sketch comedy teams with who just like, you know, I went back and forth on and heard their sketches and like saw things they did and saw stuff on stage. I think there's something really great if you're a comedy writer to see stuff performed and hear what doesn't get laughs because you're so sure something's funny and then no one laughs at it. Mm. And you go, well, maybe not. You know, obvi- very supported by family. My kids give me ideas every day. So Oscar and Shirley are big helps. Huh. This is the last one. At this precise moment, what are you most proud of in your life? My kids. I mean, well, uh, in terms of prof- like professionally, I mean, my answer is sincerely my kids because you yeah. know, that's something you know, you put so much effort into it and you, you know, who knows what you don't have control over, but like, you know, I, with, you know, everything shut down so much, you know, getting to spend more time with them and see them grow. And so that, that is something special. And so like, you know, with writing, I don't know what proud is the word when it's like, I'm, I'm happy that it, that things are published, but like, it's like I was saying before though, like feeling like I did what I wanted to do is the more proud part of it. Um, Alex, thank you so much for this. This is awesome. Yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely to talk to you and hear more about your process. Thank you for being so open and and transparent and helpful. I know I personally, honestly did find a lot of what you said really interesting and really helpful to my own, my own practice of writing and other creative things. And I'm sure that people who listen will find a lot of inspiration as well. Thank you. I know this is audio and everyone's listening, but it does look like you're saluting me right now while you're blocking the left. I've, I've been slowly attacked by the sunlight. I can hardly see you anymore. This is ridiculous. 
All right, Alex, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Honestly, it's a great conversation. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks, Denise. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. All right, if you want to check out some of Alex's writing, I encourage you to do so. You can find his work on Audible, both here in Australia and back home in the States. He actually has a new book that's just recently been released, part of the Andrea Vernon series. This one is called Andrea Vernon and the Big Axe Acquisition. I know I will be checking it out. It'll be a lot of fun. So every episode will be a different person, a different kind of job, totally different kind of conversation. Feel free to follow this podcast on Spotify and follow me and my business on Instagram at Outside the Lines underscore consulting. All right. Thanks for listening. Stay curious.